1: Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca vs. Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Lana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate- I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello
2: and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, the Everything School HQ. Joining me on this edition of the program, we've got Evan Swartz of 49ersHub.com and Twitter celebrity extraordinaire. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. How was the Thanksgiving? What was the, the best part for you uh, this we, holiday week?
0: We did a couple Friendsgivings, so um, didn't go home, stayed here, but had all of our L.A. friends here. A lot of people didn't leave. Mm. Um, and we did a traditional night and an Indian food night, and it was awesome.
2: Just, Are you an Indian just, food guy? Have you had it before?
0: I mean, I've, I've had Indian food before, mm. but uh, no, nah, you know, it was just uh, something that they wanted to do, and it ended up working out really well. I feel like I haven't talked to you since one of Tennessee's biggest wins of all time and one of their biggest collapses of all time. And it's kind of weird for you to just jump on this podcast since then with the hat on and just ask me about Turkey. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's been everything school. We were feeling pretty good. I got the graduation ring uh, in this, this week. Uh, vibes are up. Tennessee basketball looks like a Final Four team. Uh, they're really good. Tennessee finishing 10-2. First 10-win season since 2003. Uh, things are good. Things are good here on Rocky Top. Yeah, the South Carolina loss uh, two weeks ago was horrific for me and uh, very scarring for the foreseeable future. But, you know, we, re- we move. We ride. We go forward. That's what hey, we have man. to do.
0: I got freezing cold taked about my ducks. So, you know, it happens.
2: It happens. Have you ever been freezing cold taked, Uh, friend of the show and returning guest, Jarrett Bailey of literally every publication known to man that covers the <laughs> NFL? Uh, have you been freezing cold taked?
3: Um, I have not. Uh, plenty of people have tried to get me to be, but n-
2: not to my knowledge have I been freezing cold taked. No. Well, it's been a good week for you. Last couple weeks, it was rough for me because the falcons lost to the washington commanders on sunday afternoon which was not great uh did not enjoy it but you were an early i think you were on this very program jared preaching about uh the the upside and the belief in the washington commanders and here they are i did the one of my favorite things to kill time is i love doing the espn nfl playoff machine that's oh it's now is very available fun. Yeah. it's so much fun and I did it yesterday for the first time and the commanders were in the playoffs for me. I played out the rest of the schedule and I'm like, I think the commanders are making the playoffs. Do you feel vindicated on that front, Jared?
3: I feel vindicated to a certain extent. Uh, the, uh, the vision for me and uh, with the commanders being in the playoffs uh, did not have Taylor Heineke, at quarterback, although I'm not upset about that because mm-hmm. uh, he's just, he's an easy guy to root for. There's an easy team to root for. I mean, they've got a lot of, a lot of good young talent on the roster, um but yes no this has been uh what they've won like what, five of their last six or six of their last seven so uh yeah good for the commanders and good for me to a certain extent i guess yeah by the way Chase, i mean i'm also wearing rings mine aren't like uh, graduation rings or anything this one has a a skull on it, if you okay. want to, to see. And this one just says revenge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Did you get a Stony Brook ring? You, you, do they do something cool? Because they, are uh, not Stony Brook. Excuse me, Slippery Rock. Um, do they do any cool rings? Oh, yeah, that's I that's the
0: revenge one.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. This was never
0: yeah. forget. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that was uh, no, honestly, I don't know. I didn't uh, I didn't order any. I think they they probably gave options to Mm -hmm. to order a class ring. I didn't order one. Um, Yeah, graduating in a COVID year was weird. Um, I, I
2: will say that. Did you ever walk or no?
3: No, I didn't. My entire house got COVID the week that we were supposed to walk,
2: man. Did they give you the option to come back? I know a lot of folks did that the following semester. If you want, if you couldn't do it to come uh, back.
3: They did. I just, I honestly didn't You do were it. over it. You're you like, know, I'm out of college. I, I walked during high school. I f- imagine it would just be the same thing, just longer with mm-hmm. less people that I knew. So I was just like, hey, you know what? Just, just give me my piece of paper. I'm chilling
2: there you go well there's yeah. another ring i don't think you can get this one yet jared i don't know where you're on the whole wedding ring aspect of this but uh that's the other big one it's all gold everything that's over here that's, on my hands.
0: that's also the revenge <laughs> ring
2: <laughs> that's
0: also the revenge <laughs> whenever
3: ring. whenever i meet someone i'll put that ring on uh on this finger instead yeah. Uh, so yeah yeah no no one uh no, not anytime soon my friend
2: not anytime there you soon. go uh what was the best thing you ate on thanksgiving jared
3: Sweet potato casserole, my mom makes mm. the oh my dude, I would go to war for it. So good,
2: um, yeah, the brown sugar on top, all the fixings and stuff. It's great. I like it. I like it. Did you eat anything unhealthy, Evan? Unhealthy? Yeah, anything unhealthy? Were you just like, oh, this? Yeah, is... yeah, yeah,
0: okay. yeah. They did, they did like a chocolate mousse pie that like literally had that sounds full good cookies in it. Uh huh. Yeah. Full cookies. So that was pretty wild. Um and that was obviously a little bit different than what I'm used to. Uh but I will say like Thanksgiving to me is one of my favorite holidays because mm-hmm. of the food aspect of it. So like all bets are off on Thanksgiving. There I have a hall pass. Like I have like I will eat as much stuffing as which exists or my body will physically allow. I love mm-hmm. stuffing. Um so yeah, I I had Two very aggressive days of eating. <laughs> I,
3: I learned like that uh, I've I've never had
2: Indian food actually, so uh, I haven't either.
0: You wait, hold on! You've just never had any?
2: No, I've just like never it's never had come any. up. It's never. There's never been a. There's a lot of like when I lived downtown in Atlanta, there were a lot of Indian restaurants that were highly rich. I just I never took the plunge. I am someone. Let me just open Pandora's box here. I have IBS. I am someone who has a very sensitive stomach i will say that and i have to be careful with my prebiotics probiotics i gotta i gotta be very careful with what uh, goes in and out of my body and spicy foods generally speaking and indian food has always kind of scared me for how yeah. i would handle it health-wise
0: i mean i i will say as a guy who really shouldn't be having much dairy um you i know I, dairy I,
2: almond milk I, all day
0: i can appreciate that but like if you can get some chicken masala in your life maybe like without sp- as much spice even it's mm. indian foods fire and it's well, just it's you know, also right yeah. rice and bread and things like that too it's fire
2: okay i like it um speaking of fire the san francisco 49er defense pitching a shutout uh this week evan i mean what are you doing with this level of optimism uh jared and i's teams are both very much not heading towards the postseason. Uh, then again, nobody wants to win the NFC South. So maybe the Falcons yeah. are still just going to be in it till the end of the season, which I don't know how to feel about that at this point. But um, the Niners, a big win uh, yesterday. How are you feeling about uh, where the 49ers are? And uh, just their two world chances because it seems like now the general wisdom by and large, everyone's latched on. The Niners are the most complete team in the NFC.
0: You know, I, I would say this. I've been doing this podcast with you for a long time. And throughout this podcast, one of the things that I have consistently done is talk about how I thought the 49ers each year, year in and year out, would have, you know, the the best defense in the NFL. Right. I did it in mm-hmm. 2019, 20, you know, 2021. And, um, I <laughs> I'm not I'm I'm not surprised, obviously. What mm-hmm. I would say as far as like this season and how things are going, like this the last two games is like more along the lines of how I expected the season to go. Right. The struggled early on. There was some weird stuff. Obviously, losing your you know, Trey Trey Lance um is sad, but like this is what I was expecting. A team that has Fred Warner, who is the best linebacker in the NFL. I don't know whose echo that is. It's not mine. That's what I'm Uh, just
2: checking. It's not me. I don't know where it's coming from.
0: uh, I'm
2: assuming it's me then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. No, but, you know, a team that has Fred Warner, who's arguably the best linebacker in the NFL, and Nick Bosa, who is arguably the best defensive end, although that list is huge of really, you know, the best defensive ends. But one of uh, in the NFL, you know, Eric Armstead, uh, you know, you look at, uh, what they've done with the secondary, bring bring Travarius Ward in. Uh, if you look at uh, obviously how strong their safety play has been, and they got lucky with some some rookies, right? Chance Womack is playing fantastic. Uh, Drake Jackson seems like a almost an embarrassment uh, of luck or riches to be able to pick him in the second round, and he's like playing as well as any of the first round defensive ends taken. Um, so this is, you know, what I expected. The one thing that I would like to note is this is also with Eric Armstead, who's been out, what, like eight or nine, ten weeks? Uh, hope I to, hope to get back. I don't want to rant and ramble. Uh, nothing too surprising here. Last week was incredible. This week was incredible. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to see the Niners score a little bit more, but you know, Jimmy got hit in the knee. It looked really scary for a second. Elijah Mitchell just got announced he's gonna miss six to eight weeks with another MCL sprain, which really sucks for him because he was look, you know, kind of he was hit, coming back strong. Uh, McCaffrey got banged up, but it looks like he's gonna play. Um Debo got hurt, right? So there's this game, there's so many little like d- dings and scratches and things like that. Where I was like, man, let's just get out of it alive. I remember I was on Twitter like yelling, like, stop playing, Christian McCaffrey, like get Jordan Mason's ass in there. And who, by the way, is another undrafted free agent running back that seems to be playing really well. Um, But you know, it is everything you could hope for in an NFC that refuses to define itself with an actual best right? Like every week, you know, the Eagles lost the other week. They didn't, you know, they, they had a, uh, they almost lost to the Packers, which Packers are terrible this year. Uh, So I am happy. I'm happy that the 49ers are really going to prime themselves as one of the best teams in the NFC. And I think that they can definitely do that. They're still my pick to win the NFC. Um, They're getting even better than I had originally expected them to be, but even still, I just don't think that the NFC is strong enough to stop a team that has this good of defense injuries, uh, you know, aside, I would like to say Jimmy Garoppolo is like genuinely playing some of the best. I mean, he's playing the best football he's ever played period. Like last yesterday, like he, the, he still has gone four weeks without throwing an interception, which is incredible. Um, yesterday they had a, would have, would have been an interception, and you look at the film. You look at the penalty that was called to, to, you know, to pull it back. And the defensive player bumped into the receiver, knocking him out of the way, so he couldn't even get the ball, let alone defend it being intercepted. And that was as close as he got to throwing an interception. Jimmy is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and that's an insane thing to say after drafting Trey Lance. Uh, statistically speaking, you know, some of like his advanced stats, he's like fifth highest passer rating of a quarterback of all time. Uh, you know, he's some, you know, obviously like uh, I, I, I'm not going to go into that stuff cause that's not my world. I'm not going to pretend like to be the nerd that just knows the numbers, but stats wise, he's killing it. He's mm. having a fantastic season. Uh, and whether it's with Brandon Ayuk, whether it's with Christian McCaffrey, whether it's with George Kittle, uh, you, you can't stop them. And then you, a Tennessee fan, Probably mm. loved the highlights yesterday because Juwan is it Juan or Juan? Juwan. Juwan, yeah. Juwan Jennings literally couldn't have been couldn't be stopped yesterday. He made consistent
2: like any other Juwan he, Jennings cannot be stopped.
0: He he genuinely like when you think about what makes a good wide receiver three, you're like, hopefully, when the ball gets thrown to them, they'll just catch it. Mm-hmm. That's like that's what you hope, right? It's not gonna happen a lot, but whenever it does. He was not only catching things, but they were like incredibly impressive contested catches, third down conversions. Like he was we poor man's
2: made. Alshon Jeffrey.
0: Right. You know, I mean, he is but I mean, he's playing fantastic. And that's an embarrassment of riches, right? Mm. Like when you have Juwan Jennings playing that well, moving the chains that many times, while you still have Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and all these things, it's incredible. Um, the Saints defense uh, I think definitely needs a vi- you know a lot of love like they played probably one of the best defensive games against the 49ers all season hmm. uh they really played well and I think 13 point shows considering the Niners have been scoring 30 and 40 points and things like that uh I am very very excited and we'll talk plenty about it about next week against the Dolphins Mike McDaniel versus Kyle Shanahan uh you know Where did you is guys it? it's uh in miami i think mm, okay did you, did you guys hear uh the comments from raheem mostert and jeff wilson i did not couple? essentially they were you know obviously i think some of it got taken out of context but they were basically like we're happy we're here it's a business you know raheem's like hey it's a business i'm going where i need to go jeff was like it's a business i'm going to but they we're did decide say- to get
2: elijah mitchell in the fold next year
0: they did say something to the effect of our quarterback is better and our weapons are better. And so our, you know, a lot of the 49ers players have already gone on to Twitter, including Debo Samuel himself to to take offense to that. And they're like, Raheem, you got to watch your mouth dog. Like, so we have an all time great rivalry coming up with two fantastic teams. um, And I'm excited for that.
2: That's going to be fun. Uh, is it a Sunday night game or is it? What is do we know when it actually is? I hope that's a primetime game. Um, Jarrett, do you agree with Evan's sentiment about the state of the Niners and what you've seen from them to this point and what Jimmy has done uh, since taking over for Trey Lance? Um. Well,
3: before I get into that, it is in San Francisco, 405 kickoff, yeah. 405. Okay, so there you go. Um, and, and in terms of San Francisco, uh, Saturday, yeah, I pretty much said the way I feel uh, to Grant Cohn when him and I uh, did a quick stream together. Um, to me, I think the 49ers, are, they're my favorite in the NFC right now. Um, and I understand that Philadelphia has been kind of the darling of this offseason. I would even say that, you know, if you wanted to say that the Eagles have a better roster than the 49ers, I would probably agree with that in terms of quarterback play. Um, the fact that they just keep adding – players that were really really good like 2 years ago every other day like they just added Linval Joseph and Andomacon Sue in consecutive days last week just because. How did he
0: play by the way? How did Sue play?
3: Sue's so looking good. I mean, he's getting pressure on the quarterback, which is good. Um I mean, he's not like, you know, 2013 Andomacon Sue, but for for his age and and what they're asking him to do, he's he's a fine depth piece. So, um yeah, I mean, the fact that they they and I wrote this in my newsletter the 49ers and the Eagles are among the two smartest franchises in the NFL because they look at situations and say, okay, that guy can make us better. Why not go get him? And they've done that. They say, All right, you know what? Jalen Hurts didn't really have a go to pass catcher last year. Let's go get him AJ Brown to put with Devontae Smith. All right, we need, you know, maybe a little bit more help in the secondary. James Bradbury's a free agent. Let's go get him. Oh, we can trade for CJ Gardner Johnson. Let's go trade for CJ Garner Johnson. Um, and then they get Robert Quinn as well, the deadline. And then they add those, the aforementioned Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue, like the Eagles. And to, to counterpoint with the 49ers, they said, all right, you know what? We feel like we're playing in an NFC that, as Evan mentioned, nobody wants to be good. Like nobody is taking control of this conference. Let's go get Christian McCaffrey. And then, what does he do in his first full week with the team? He does something that hasn't been done since Ladanian Tomlinson in 2005. He throws a touchdown, he catches a touchdown, he runs for a touchdown against the Rams. And he's been the way that they that they have used him, um, like in Mexico City. He didn't seem like that big a factor. He had 16 touches and I believe over 100 yards from scrimmage. I'd have to look back at the numbers, but um, he was still effective. Like it's it's the fact that the the 49ers are finding a way to keep all of their mouths fed. Um, you know, each guy it was IUK had a really big game a couple weeks ago, Debo had that really long run uh against the Cardinals, Kittle had two touchdowns. Like they're just finding a way to keep all these guys satisfied. And uh defensively, um, I understand as a Saints, do, pitching a shutout in the NFL is hard. I'm not gonna, you know, say, oh, it was Andy Doll. I don't care. The, the fact that they did that, um, and the way that they kept especially in the red zone. I mean, they they were knocking yeah. on the door with, with Camara. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not gonna ever say, "Oh, it was against." I don't care. Getting a shout out in the NFL is very hard. Um, so kudos to the 49ers; they're my pick right now. Um, o- over the Philadelphia Eagles, just because this core has been there, done that a few times. They've been to two NFC Championship games. They've been to a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts is very fun. Nick Sirianni is a good coach. None of them will won a playoff game yet. Um, and I think that's not nothing when we get in, into January um and look if we get an eagles 49ers nfc championship game in philadelphia then we are very very lucky nfl fans and i will be pleased with whomever comes out um but if i had to pick right now i would pick san francisco
0: i want the niners to play the cowboys so badly Mm. like so
3: because the cowboys are the cowboys until proven otherwise
0: well i mean it's like the cowboys in general going up against this type of defense would just be hilarious oh my goodness Yeah. yeah so uh you know the 49ers are going to win the nfc i just i there's like i i Reason know that takes aggr- I, I know that go. seems like an aggressive thing to say but like i just don't see uh, outside of like injuries right barring injuries like the niners are going to go through this playoffs. but you
2: can't turn off injuries when it comes to the san francisco 49ers Evan. like that's no but the it does uh, uh, What's but here's what, I'm the sure, what you're allowed to turn off
0: yeah no but what i'm what i'm saying is if there are no injuries here's how i feel mm-hmm. If there's injuries, you know you can't. What what are you, what are you gonna? do? I just do? think at
2: the this point with the Niners, we just have to be like it depends on who's injured for the yeah. 49ers When it's, it's at, we're at the end it, of this. It's not when, it's who. Right. Right.
0: Well, I think getting Eric Armstead back is great. Not rushing him. But in at
2: what great. cost? Who's getting removed for Eric Armstead's return? Who will hey, it be? Hey,
0: Elijah Mitchell had a couple of good games back, but Jordan Mason looked really good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, I'm really worried about Christian McCaffrey, like as, as fun as it is to watch him every time he touches the ball, I cringe a little,
2: um, well, is interesting too. Did you read the Connor Orr piece in SI today on no. Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, I would highly encourage everybody to go check it out on SI.com, uh, slash NFL. It was a really, really insightful piece and it was something that I had not really realized. And you were talking about like Jimmy Garoppolo, not throwing any picks. And one of the things that's working for, uh, the Niners is uh, just finding the Elijah Mitchells, the uh, Juan Jennings of the world, and just winning that way um, in a lot of different ways. Jordarius Ward and just they—they're just extremely well built, and that was uh, one of the essences of the piece. But I—he had this stat in it that kind of caught me off guard. Where he said, "quote uh, He is according and talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. He is according to a Football Outsiders third in the NFL." Uh, in yards above replacement a composite of his expected points added per down and completion percentage over expectation is the seventh best in the nfl though tellingly garoppolo is the only quarterback in the top 10 without a positive completion percentage over expected expectation rating another thing that i thought was fascinating is he's more than 60 percent of his total yardage depends on the catch and run ability of his best receivers and they talk about in sight like and it makes sense when you watch them it's like Debo is so good at breaking tackles that Christian McCaffrey is so good at breaking tackles. George Kittle is maybe the best tight end in history at breaking tackles and they built this whole offense about being physical and it makes sense that they throw short and then they're not making Jimmy Garoppolo have to take crazy chances down the field and the ball is not in the air all that long this year with Jimmy Garoppolo is they just have physical freaks all over the place that people are like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to tackle this person because tackling is down and tackling is the worst that it's ever been in the NFL. They pivoted to like, see if you can bring them down. Like they might get hurt. But these guys all want contact and they are all daring you to tackle them. And most teams cannot. And it's just, it was really, really fascinating to read. And that's the thing
0: that I think people need to understand. Like, I think it's in people's DNA and instinct to, to, to be like, Oh no, Jimmy sucks. Like Jimmy's terrible. But like, Everything, every issue that people have had with Jimmy, like, oh, well, you know, he only got his first read or, oh, he can't throw the deep ball or, you know, he can't go through progressions, everything. Not only has he done that this year, but he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at all of these things that people said he couldn't do. On top of that, you could put Mike Vick in this offense, right? You could put Josh Allen in this offense and Kyle Shanahan is still going to run it exactly how he's running it right now because Mm -hmm. he believes in you know a thousand cuts he believes that his scheme will get the players open and they will make their plays in space he's not you know maybe he would take a couple more deep shots a game but I don't think so I really don't think so I mean like George Kittle is one of the best deep ball receivers in the tight end position that I think we've seen in a long time and he doesn't even throw him to deep to Kittle like it, so
2: they don't even play action all that much
0: no, but when they do, Jimmy's. That's
2: the thing it. is like the reason that they don't do it all that much is like when they do do it, it's like teams just don't know what to do, and that's great for Kittle uh, right. on those bootlegs and stuff like that. I mean, they're in good shape. Uh, I'm excited to see it, and it's just wild to think about like the final three of four quarterbacks in the N- in the NFC might be cousins, <laughs> um, Jimmy Garoppolo and Jalen Hurts. It's just Tua. we spend Tua. yeah, we, two is we
0: the what statistically one of the best, if not best, quarterbacks in the NFL right now.
2: Yeah. It's just wild. We spend so much time arguing about who the best is, the Herbert, the Burroughs, whoever uh, Trevor Lawrence is. And uh, it's like, all right. It, the, the NFC really might come down to Kirk Cousins versus Jalen Hurts in the NFC Championship game. What do we really know? Like yeah. it could be Jimmy Garoppolo versus Kirk Cousins. The the Kyle Shanahan bowl where he's like, just he's like, I'm a winner either way. If it's Whoever, Kirk, whoever yeah.
0: wins gets my love. Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I will say this. I'll end the Niners uh, rant on this. The Niners get to play the Dolphins without Taron Armstead, was that They're, you know one of their best ta- one of the best tackles in the league, uh, and then also go play the Bucks, where they will not have. Yeah, the Bucks so, are headed for a wild offseason, and I the think. right tackle on the Miami Dolphins too. I should say that too will yeah. also be out against the game. But the Bucks, Worfs I mean, is out for
2: a while too. I yeah, think.
0: Trent Trimworth is going to be out for at least the Niners game.
2: So it's like, it is a good a They're the a worst playing football team highway. in the NFL this year. Like the yeah. Bucks have problems all over the place. Like I, I don't I, the funniest ending is the Panthers with Sam Darnold winning the NFC South. This is what the, the world needs. I need the Panthers winning this division. That is that is where I'm at right now with the the Sicco conference or Sicko division that is the NFC South. Um your team plays tonight, Jarrett. Um the Pittsburgh Steelers. Doesn't look like they're making the playoffs uh this season. I mean It's gotten pretty bad Uh, George Pickens though pretty good because George Pickens is at this point where he is now comfortable wearing pictures of George Pickens on his on his in his wardrobe when he's getting off the plane so that's how you know when a player is becoming a superstar is when you're comfortable doing that Uh, but what is going on with the Steelers and I mean is there any path to them still climbing out of this climbing out of the gutter and getting close to 500 and saving Tomlin streak no. Mm. (laughs) Um, Mm. I I assume you want more than that Um, (laughs) it's just like what Steelers fans all just feel this fall it's just like no
3: yeah I mean I've I've long stopped uh, like just feeling anything with this team this season Um, (laughs) they've just taken away all of my I'm numb at this point Mm -hmm. Um, so let's see they got Indianapolis tonight they're currently three and seven Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean if they win they get to four and seven then they go to Atlanta next week um, so, I mean, decent chance they can get to five and seven, but you know, that's saying that's speaking as if they are themselves a good football team, which they are not. Um, and a lot of that it's, it's same old song throughout the entire season. It's the offensive coordinator. It's the quarterback. Both of them are bad.
2: Um, how much now, does DJ Watt not playing affect us?
3: Yeah. I mean, that was certainly a thing, but at the same time, like, you can't sit there and say, "Oh, we hate, we don't have T.J. Watt. That's why you know we we give up 35 points to the Eagles. That's why Kenny Pickett throws three interceptions against the Dolphins. That's why you know uh, the Buffalo Bills have a 98 yard touchdown uh, touchdown pass when they down them inside the two. Like that save the – No mm-hmm. one guy. Yes, T.J. Watt's fantastic." there's still cam hayward's an all-pro he's on that defense still mika fitzpatrick he's an all-pro he's still on that defense um i don't want to hear that excuse that oh tj watt's not there therefore that's why they stink no having him back definitely helps but they stink because one matt canada is a bad offensive coordinator two kenny pickett is a bad quarterback and three
2: mike tomlin's stubborn um so those are Has my picket been that bad like is is there any yeah. signs of that he's a franchise guy if there is i
3: haven't seen him now look i'm going in this with i don't want kenny pickett to be bad like mm-hmm. let me let me say that like all these <laughs> steeler fans come at me like oh you just hate kenny you Hate. i don't hate kenny pickett i hated that he was selected by the steelers absolutely i didn't like the pick at all i don't think he's going to be good um When they put him in against the Jets, I think a lot of people were ready for it. I, myself, was like, put in picket. Like, what what is there to lose? And, look, I was excited after that game. You know, he came in. He ran for two touchdowns. They were up 10. Um, He threw a couple interceptions, one of which was – I would say both of which were not his fault. Um, So, after that game, I was like, all right, optimism. Perhaps (laughs) something gets better. Even the Buffalo game, like, he's starting – his first career start against the best team in football. He didn't look absolutely lost, but since then, man, I've seen there. There's been zero progression. He doesn't see the doesn't see the field well. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, who by the way does a podcast now and is he just retired and became hilarious. Hmm. Go watch football and, on YouTube with Ben Roethlisberger. It's so funny. Um, but does he was he, talking about. Does you know, he talk honestly? Does he speak honestly about the? Oh, yeah. The, okay. Yeah. Um, but he was talking about the Saints game. Mm -hmm. and um who did he i want to say he had bob pompiani who's a local pittsburgh uh, sports guy here Mm -hmm. and uh they were talking about kenny's performance and bob asked ben what he thought of kenny and uh he's like the first play from scrimmage kenny had deontay johnson wide open for a 75 yard touchdown and just didn't look at him and i was Mm -hmm. like all right this is that's ben talking i think you know i went back though and watched it i was like all right is ben just saying this because if he was out in the field he would have thrown it He is absolutely right Deontay was had two steps on the guy covering him there there was only a single high safety cover one who wasn't all the way across the field yet if Kenny I don't know whether it's that he doesn't trust his arm or he just knows he can't throw that deep Hmm. but he's he is missing open guys and we can blame Matt Canada for his bad play calling all we want that is a problem Matt Canada is bad so is Kenny Pickett and you know what I I was I was on board with like you know what Keep losing, go three and fourteen. Draft <laughs> C.J. Stroud. However, my mind has changed uh-uh. because I want them to keep losing, keep losing, mm-hmm. go three and fourteen. But instead, take Paris Johnson. Go in an next year with Kenny Pickett. Suck again, and then get <laughs> Caleb Williams from USC. My new <laughs> this is a two-year plan, Jets, mm-hmm. and it ends with Caleb Williams and a Steelers uniform. And all of my problems being washed away by the grace of that beautiful quarterback. Hold
2: Southern on. What California? was the yeah. last time the Steelers lost like 26 games in back-to-back seasons? That would be like one of the worst stretches in Steelers football ever, right? Last, I mean, the, the last time they had a losing record was 2003. They went 6-10 right. that year. Um,
3: let's go. You know what? Let's go. I'll get it pulled up. Because what you
2: want is just not something that Evan, myself, and you have seen in our lifetime from Pittsburgh.
3: I mean, hey, all good things come to an end. (laughs) Um, So let me see if there is a stretch that bad. Um, So they lost 19 games from 98 to 99. They went 7 and 9 in 1998 and then 6 and 10 in 1999. Okay. Okay. 26 games. Yeah, I don't think we're going to find a stretch until we get That's to like the, the Hoover administration. <laughs> but but uh yeah. This would be, you know, a 2024 20, year thing where it would be some unprecedented stuff for a while. However, I am all on board with it. All on board. Mm. And obviously Steelers fans being Steelers fans are going to be like, "Okay, what are they going to say about Mike Tomlin now that he, he can Oh, he's never had a losing record, which, by the way, I'm kind of on board with. I'm kind of on board with because I'm tired of hearing that about Mike Tomlin. You know, wow. what his, you know how many playoff wins he has in the last 10 years?
2: Two. I was going to say, I thought one. And I was like, okay, two. Oof. Steelers it's fans a- turning on Mike Tomlin. You heard it here first. Jared Bailey wants Mike Tomlin out. He wants oh, no, 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 no. Matt Narduzzi <laughs> to reunite with Kenny Pickett to get this thing moving. Why,
0: why is why is Matt Canada still coaching for the Steelers? I feel like it's and, the
2: Steelers. Just they and, don't do that. No, well, sir, on, before,
0: before we just go there, why is Matt Canada still coaching for the Steelers? Why is Nathaniel Hackett still coaching for the Broncos? That's a why question. Why is Cliff Kingsbury still coaching for the, the Cardinals? why are these teams such cowards <laughs> fire your coaches they are.
3: they are and in terms of pittsburgh the only thing that would make sense to me is that um kenny pickett's already having a rough go of it firing his offensive coordinator probably wouldn't help that would be my only guess that he's not going to be there next year whomever whomever they go out and get had better be outside the organization because the Steeler way of hiring from within just keeps biting them in the butt. And I'm tired of Mike Tomlin, the, the, Mike Tomlin. I like Mike Tomlin. He, his absolute worst attribute is court hiring coordinators. He is hmm. God awful at it because before this, it was Randy Feekner. The only other time he's hired from outside the organization with t- was Todd Haley, as offensive coordinator. And what happened when he did that? Oh, Ben Roethlisberger had the greatest five year stretch of his career. Uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell were part of the offense and Todd Haley now Ben and Todd Haley didn't necessarily get along, but they put up really good numbers and were a consistent playoff team and were one of the best offenses in the NFL throughout that stretch. So, I don't know. Mike Tomlin needs to get his crap together because you know, do I think that Mike Tomlin will get fired? No. That's just not what the Steelers do. They're not going to fire Mike Tomlin. He's going to have that job for however long he wants it.
2: Do you think he gets a statue?
3: Does he get a statue? I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. Hmm. They didn't get one for Cower. I don't think they'll give
2: one to Tomlin. Okay. Is there a chance? If he wins that... another Super Bowl, maybe. Okay. I wonder with Tomlin, because I just, he's 50. He's not Sean Payton's zone right now, where Sean Payton was looking at the writing on the wall, where he was like, all right. Breeze is gone. Um, Kamara is about to get, he's about to be priced out and a lot of tread on those tires. Uh, I don't think Jameis Winston can get me back to the Super Bowl. I think I'm just going to go ahead and eject. Uh, we're going to, I have a fun life in Southern California. I can just appear on the herd, uh, once a week. I'm, I'm going to live my life, uh, and really enjoy it, uh, this season. And we'll see what happens. Cause I'm just going to be the most sought after head coach like, I wonder if Tomlin follows suit. I wonder if he would be in for a rebuild. I think he cares about his record. I think he doesn't want to do that kind of he doesn't want to be remembered as the Pittsburgh coach who had like who maybe had to usher in the worst two to three year stretch of Steelers football ever. Is it I possible just, Tomlin's this is it? We're nearing the end.
3: No, I, I don't think so. Just because okay. As somebody who's been a fan of this team for a really long time, has covered this team now for the past few years, um, Tomlin just seems like a guy. Now, the one thing that I do come back to with him, and it's it's really recent, watch his interview with Ryan Clark and the guys on the pivot. Mm-hmm. Anytime I think like that, like I, if that thought enters my mind, it's like I, like he would he pull the Sean Payton air mm-hmm. and you know just kind of sit it out. He he is a guy and I believe him when he says he has a really good line in there. It says there's so many guys in this league that run away from coaching. I run to coaching Mm. and I believe him when he says that. And I, if you watch the entire interview, like you understand why guys love playing for him. So the fact that, do you remember last year when I I think he was on the radar for the USC job or he's on Mm -hmm. the radar for the LSU job And he just came out right away before anybody could ask him about it. He's like basically saying, I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I I think that he loves the team. I think he loves the city. I think that he loves the Rooney family for largely. I mean, when he was hired, nobody expected him to be hired as the head coach. Um, You know, he had been an assistant with Tampa Bay, with Minnesota, and, you know, he wasn't the guy that people expected to get it. So I think that he does feel indebted to the organization. I don't think they're going to fire him. I don't think he's leaving. Like he doesn't seem like a guy that would do TV Mm. in my opinion. Like I think that if he were to take like a year off or whatever and quote unquote retire, he would just chill with his kids and his wife. Um,
2: but I don't think he's going anywhere. He's Um, also an East coast guy. I think he's a lot of deep ties in Virginia, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like LA and getting away and being like, Oh, he could be the head coach of the chargers or anything. I don't think he's interested in that.
3: No, I don't think he is either. So, um, if, if I had to guess right now, he's not going to get fired. He's going to have the job as long as he... Now, if they go in like five consecutive losing seasons or three consecutive losing seasons, the, the seat will start heating up, but it would take a lot for, for him to get fired because the Steelers went through a couple rough patches with Bill Cowher. They didn't fire him. Um, I would be shocked if they if they didn't give Tomlin that same patience.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see uh, tonight. Big one against the Colts, and we'll see if this... That's streak... the on that game, by the way. <laughs> well, hold on. Matt Ryan is going to be cooking. Who We'll see. Um, biggest surprise around the league for you, Evan, was where? What was the most surprising result for you? So, I mean,
0: like... Yesterday or this? Yeah, just yesterday. Or it could
2: be Thanksgiving. Like, what was the most surprising? Like, you, the result was just, you were pretty stunned that that's how it transpired.
0: I mean, I, it wasn't really anything crazy, but to me, like, the Raiders winning Mm. and the Broncos losing were both like, God, like, how are the Broncos this bad? The 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 stat that I saw that there's something like no team has lost this many lost this badly five or with the, this little of points in like since 2000
2: mm-hmm.
0: scoring this little of points or something like this this is insane that Russell Wilson like first off first and foremost is Russell Wilson fully washed or is this just a bad football situation for everybody involved?
2: I'll let you go yeah. first here, Jarrett.
3: Yeah, I mean. If you're Russell Wilson and you come into this situation with, I mean, Denver's got talent. We know that. And you put up 14.3 points per game. That's a problem. Now, Nathaniel Hackett isn't going to be there next year. Russell Wilson absolutely is going to be. So whomever they bring in, we're going to be able to tell right away, Oh, this is just a Nathaniel Hackett problem or <laughs> and Denver hopes to God. It isn't this, or they're going to sit back and be like, Oh no, our quarterback's horrible. And, we're on the books for him till at least twenty twenty six because if we cut him, it's over a hundred million dollars in dead money, and we literally cannot do that. So strap in, Broncos country, because it's going to be a bumpy one.
0: Um, one thing I I do want to know: Did you guys see Mike Purcell, the Denver Broncos,
2: mm-hmm. absolutely scream
0: at, at Russell Wilson? What do you? I would guys love think to know what said?
2: he said because Russell had to say something to. Uh, because it was like one of those where he heard something and he like pauses, like yeah, he, yeah. he turned back, like there was no, he started that conversation. Yeah, he, wasn't, he
3: wasn't going to the sideline to have an altercation. He no. was just jogging off and he, yeah, he definitely heard
0: something. I bet you it was probably like Russell was like, I, I mean, I don't even know what the circumstances, but Russ is probably like, all right, come on defense. We really <laughs> need something from you. And he's like, from us.
2: <laughs> Yeah, you no, or garbage. something pumped up. He was like, thanks for doing that. Like just uh thanks for getting another stop. We'll take it from here. Something like that. And it's like, will you? Because you will you know, take it from here? Because you know Russell
0: Wilson is gonna say some corny stuff. And if you're Mike Purcell and your defense is playing well and they just keep selling yeah. you out, you're probably like, I'm over it. I'm over the fake Russell Wilson.
3: He's probably jogging off the field he's like, I'm praying for you.
0: <laughs> it's like enough with
3: the Jesus Christ. Um, how many general Broncos do you think actually like Russell Wilson? By the way, like, what's the over/under number, like, of people in the I, locker room, coaches and players alike that genuinely like Russell Wilson? Zero. I'm Saying like four and a half.
0: Zero. I genuinely I don't think. Don't think do. I don't think anybody likes Russell Wilson. But like the reason why Brant
3: said a few, it was a few yeah, weeks yeah. ago where he just basically called him a phony. That just seems really on the nose.
0: I don't think so. Okay. So let me answer this as, as best as I can. I believe that there are people that are too stupid to really kind of like f- see the minor, minor details with human be- human behavior. <laughs> so I feel like the people that are too dumb to get into a room with Russell Wilson and notice that it's all bullshit, right? Like they probably are like, Oh, Russ is great. Right. If you just are, if you just don't have the analytical mind to be able to like, see, all, you know everything he's saying is fake now that said g- those people aside every single other person i think hates him because they go this is all an act like none of this is real and he, i'm sure seattle could put up with it because they were winning he's throwing you know four touchdowns a game but if he's not doing that and he's now probably at the worst version of this ego trip that he's always been on you know like like the guy literally doesn't he seems like he cannot answer a question whether it comes from a player or a reporter or a coach or anything with an honest genuine answer it's always what should i the this this russell it's wills very program, robotic right and so like if you're all of these people and you're just constantly around it and it never turns off and and you're losing like how could you like that you probably they'll probably all hate them I bet you the, uh, the the offensive linemen probably like him because they're like, "Duh, <laughs> he seems nice." <laughs>
1: wow!
0: It I scorched think, earth here from that. swords. no.
3: When you were talking about like people with no people skills, I thought you were. Go- I think that Russell wasn't just too stupid to realize that nobody likes him. I think oh that was good no no
0: no 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 no! That's sociopath stuff. That's full blown. A guy like that with that ego, like that's not too stupid. He is. I mean, come on, you have to remember, this is a guy that literally after losing like three games in a row playing like trash on air, like l- goes Bronco Broncos country, but that's right. And like walked off after they just lost like he like he it's so a part of who he is as a being to like play this character that he's like, he's lost any like, that's sense a good of way himself. of
3: putting it. He's playing a
2: character.
0: Yeah. Like that's what I'm he saying. Not like jeter
2: thrill. to me where jeter was so guarded for all like the jeter stories just never really came out it was just like i the jeter brand was so big it felt like jeter was a brand and not a human at a certain (laughs) point where you were like i don't really know what Derek jeter thinks about anything genuinely like he's been so good at just keeping a very neutral public face and Russell Wilson, I feel like I still don't know anything about him. I think I there's just so much that he has just put up. Like you get like there's just so much vagueness to what we what I actually think about Russell Wilson. And I don't think he'll ever let anybody in, genuinely. I don't think you'll ever get the genuine behind the curtain book on Russell Wilson. I don't think Jeff Perlman's ever doing the the Russell Wilson book. I don't think that's ever coming out. And I don't think we'll ever have a great read on who he actually is and like I think teammates and what we're learning there is weird I think he's addicted because when you read the reports like the the plane stuff right where he's well I don't even remember now what was he, he doing, was doing like stretches yeah like I think he thinks that that kind of stuff is inspiring and I think he really does in his heart of hearts think these are all positive things I don't think he reads the room well at all I think he blocks a lot of that stuff out and it's just like hey they don't it's kind of like shelby from uh the wilds on amazon prime where she's just like trying to lead and think she's leading this is a very niche uh comparison i but have for my, no yeah,
3: idea I, I have no idea what you're talking about but you do you buddy keep you're on you're on fire
2: we love this show and it's just she's a, a texas girl who strong personality type but like addicted to competition uh seems like they're just overcompensating in a way where they're just you're like "Uh, what are you really like this is just not how human beings are you can't keep going like this day in day out like there's a breaking point you think
0: that russell wilson is essentially bought into his own act yes so much to the point where like he's like like he believes it now and then so when he believes it, if other people don't he's like oh they just don't get it
2: right i think that's where we're at And I don't think he's ever going to let himself because I think he thinks it's a it's a net positive for who he is as a quarterback. I think he thinks he needs that to succeed. And I think he uses that to be like, oh, this is how I get back. Like, I think I I think he thinks it's going to get him back to being an elite NFL quarterback.
0: What do you what do you do? Real quick, real quick. I I need this answered. What (laughs) do you think Russell Wilson does if he knows for a week there's no cameras on him and his family's gone? Like if he were to just have, I think he a just works out
2: to himself. Do you think he just Beats works well? Out? Works out, and I mean, reads.
0: Do you think that, like he, would he go like to the driving range? Do you think he no. would he go see, see a movie? Nope. Like,
3: you is- ever seen you ever seen Dahmer on Netflix? Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Oh that. my
0: god! You think he just like is just like going? Yeah. I dude.
3: It would not shock me in the least if in like 10 years we find out that Russell Wilson just has bodies under his
2: house. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, no, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that is the case. I just think he's Derek Jeter in a way. Right? That's my gut is he's just so bought into him being a brand. It's kind of like Brady. But Brady's Jeter the same was way with brand. this Jeter, Jeter was a brand. Right. Jeter
0: was jeter was a brand i don't know how else to say that because it is yeah. so true yeah like, say Derek it
3: over jeter, and over again it'll start making sense
0: but Derek jeter was like literally one of the biggest like he made being a baseball player bigger than it was because yeah mm-hmm. it was at a time when nobody cared about baseball and he was still that guy russell wilson isn't that guy but and I think he's he never
2: thinks he is and i right. think he thinks the russell brand is that
0: but i feel like there's gotta the be some talent. part of it though of like Derek Jeter got that way because he literally was it. And it's like, you know, cause the guy out that if you see a homeless person out on the street, that's running around going, oh, I'm Superman. It's like, well, he thinks he is. Is that enough? <laughs> like, I mean, Russell Wilson's like, Oh, like dog, you have one, like he has like his, like his logo on a Nike Metcon. And it's like the Russell Wilson shoe. And it's all like the fourth page of like training shoes and Nike. Like I forgot it even existed. like, what, like, what is he a brand where we like,
2: I don't think he knows how to be buddies with his teammates either. I don't think, he, Absolutely I think he's not. been so secluded 100%. and shut off. And I think he's a probably a good family man. And I think he's doing all of that. And I think that's his, I, that's his identity where it's like, he goes home and he's like family only I'm gone. Like no teammates are allowed to hit me up. I'll see y'all at practice tomorrow. He doesn't just, he's so secluded and cut off from the rest of the team. I think it's another part of this.
3: I'm not a religious person, but I bet church with Russell Wilson is the the most uh, awful
2: experience. Mm. I don't know. I, I can't speak to that. I don't know him personally, but I just think no one there, will know him really there's personally. There's no, there's
0: no, there's no situation with Russell Wilson that isn't an awful experience. I guarantee you, if you were st- if you were standing bef- behind him at a subway and you had to <laughs> listen to him order his sandwich, that would be a miserable, sam- miserable situation. Because he would probably be like, "Uh, how's your day going? Working hard or hardly working?" And you're like, "Oh, yeah, he
3: definitely says that when he, gets you
0: know what I mean, to like, in. and he's gonna be like." What do you think about the turkey? It's like the the girl behind the counter is like, no, what I don't, I don't know,
3: dude. I get no paid now. dollars an hour. Just order your sandwich.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're Sean Payton, do you want Chargers or Cardinals, Jarrett? Um, I would take the Chargers job. Why? Um,
3: because I see how Justin Herbert leads his team and I see Kyler Murray freaking out on the sidelines with his teammates every other week. And that's more than enough for me. Plus, Justin Herbert's the better quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. If Sean Payton and now the Chargers, I think that they should absolutely be in on this because Brandon Staley is very cl- clearly not the right guy. Uh, fantastic defensive coordinator. But even then, the defense has been really bad this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they should be a team that's absolutely in on this. Peyton should clean house because Joe Lombardi is not a good offensive coordinator.
2: Didn't um, he used to employ? Wasn't Lombardi a Payton guy years ago in New Orleans? I know he was in Detroit for a minute. Um, and that was Campbell, him and Campbell, and Campbell obviously coming for nuance. I'm pretty sure Lombardi's a Peyton coaching tree guy. You might be right. You might be right. You um, might stay. So see if no, Peyton not, to come that we,
3: <laughs> With that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but theoretically speaking, like, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm Sean Peyton, I want the Chargers job more than I want the Cardinals job just because mm. Herbert is the better quarterback. Um, I think he's got a better head on his shoulders. I think he's a better leader think they have a better roster when they're healthy which apparently is never like every single year of the chargers isn't it like they just it's always something
2: i said it on the podcast i was like i don't know why people keep doing this it's like it's not a herbert thing where theo ash friend of the Day hot was all in had him in the super Bowl. i'm like they're not making the playoffs what are we doing the chargers are going to get hurt they are going to struggle they're going to flirt around 500 and then they're going to be fighting for their wild card lives and we're like how is this happening because there is talent everywhere and they should be one of the best teams in the AFC, and yet here they are, once again not being the best team in the AFC. There's something wrong with this franchise. They're cursed in a way that not even moving them from San Diego to Los Angeles can cure. Yeah, I mean, whatever
3: it is, it's yeah, it it just seems to carry on, and it's not, it's not
2: good. I think I would take the Cardinals' job. If I don't you, want to deal with like, paying Patrick Mahomes twice a year. I think the Chiefs just have this on lock to the point where I'm like, I I don't want any part of this. I want to win the division. I want to be able to mm-mm. win now. No, you no, have D Hop locked in. You have more of those win now guys. You know, listen, what? man, you make, you make a good point. Listen, I understand. I think Evan's going to vehemently disagree here.
0: No, I mean I understand
2: your point. Like your
0: your your Chiefs point alone is aggressively valid and I think something that you should understand and agree with right now though the the Chargers are only three games back Mm -hmm. from from Mahomes and the Chiefs and Sean Payton one of the best coaches ever also known to be one of the best quarterback you know minded like get the best out of your quarterback head coaches has the opportunity to play and coach with one of the most talented and gifted quarterbacks that we've seen in the last thirty years. Like, how do you pass that up? I understand, you know how. Yeah, he's
2: more open, man.
0: I once again, I completely agree. I understand that, but like, if you're Sean Payton, you got to you got to head coach for Drew Brees. Once in a lifetime experience. You get to you get to go do uh, go head coach with a guy that could end up being better than Drew Brees. I
3: think arm I talent know. wise, he's definitely already better than Drew Brees. Now,
0: I mean overall career.
3: Yeah, I, like, know, you're, I, mean, I, know, I, I know you. I think I know he to more I no you're more saying. Super
0: Bowls but at a quarterback, it. all the above.
3: Point being that Justin Herbert has a large arm. But now that I think about it, Sean Payton is just all Drew Brees did was throw like a bunch of really accurate 10 to 15 yard balls. And that's not who Justin Herbert is. And I really hope to God that Sean Payton doesn't go there now. So,
0: so he needs Jimmy Garoppolo, baby.
3: That's what I'm. Yeah, there you go.
0: Uh, no, but I will say this. If, if Sean Payton goes to the Cardinals for the example you gave Niners been beating Sean Payton up and down the <laughs> NFC for, for a long time and they don't look like they're getting bad anytime soon. So that would be a death wish for him.
2: We'll see. It seems like no matter what, he's gonna be back in the NFL next year. He's gonna have his pick. And the Cowboys another dark horse, but the with the Cowboys playing really well, it's like McCarthy might stick around for it. It's just a year-to-year basis with Mike McCarthy and yeah.
0: If 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 the Cowboys went to the NFC Championship and lost, I'd still fire Mike McCarthy.
2: I mean, Jerry and Steven Jones might be the owners. And I mean, the Astros just moved on uh from uh, their manager or GM James Click, after winning the World Series, they still Clinton because there was like there was still friction between uh their owner Jim Crane and uh, Click, and there's been a lot of comparisons that Jim Crane is becoming the uh modern baseball equivalent of Jerry Jones. There's something about these Texas uh, owners that there's something off. Um, the Raiders have they turned the corner, Jarrett? For you, following the Seahawks victory. Uh. I... I kinda wanna say yes,
3: but at the same time I remember that Josh McDaniels is their head coach. Like at this point he's playing with house money because he knows he's not getting fired. He knows mm-hmm. that Mark Davis isn't gonna pay three head coaching staffs. He's not gonna do it. So um Josh Jacobs is obviously fantastic. He's had he had over three hundred yards from scrimmage yesterday. Two hundred
2: twenty three
3: down. What's that? Bonkers, just like a bonkers
2: day from Josh Jacobs. went
3: absolutely off, and the way that he ended the game with an 86-yard touchdown right? yeah, it was fantastic. Um, Derek Carr, by the way, first play of the game, Derek Carr throws a pick. I think every Raiders fan is just like, oh, my God, what is... And then, you know, kept it composed. Raiders played. I mean, it was a fun game to watch. It was very back and forth, Um, but their defense just allowed a lot of points. Defense isn't good. Their offensive line isn't good. Um, in terms of the rest of the teams in the AFC, I mean, the the Raiders are still 4-7. and seven. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, if they can end on a relatively positive streak, maybe they take something forward in the next season. I still don't think Derek Carr's back there next year. Hmm. I think that the Raiders... I think McDaniels is going to try to draft one of these guys and inevitably ruin them. So whether it be hmm. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, I think he wants to get somebody, he wants to get his guy, quote unquote. Um, so yeah, regardless. Trade I, for I, Bailey Zappi. <laughs> Trade for Bailey Zappi. Hey, brought Jarrett Stidham over. Might as well mm-hmm. go get all the other. I mean, Josh, Josh
0: Jacobs isn't going to be there next year either. Yeah, he's,
3: yeah, he's gonna, Josh Jacobs is going to be a free agent. They're going to pay him. So, you know, um, yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot of new faces on the Raiders next year and. Josh McDaniels isn't going to be, he's going to be
2: there. So I I just would give him a little bit of time. And it's also like, you look at this, these Mike Mayock drafts, man. I mean, Jonathan Abram cut, you look at the Cleveland Farrell pick, you just go up and down Leatherwood. I mean, it is rough. Like it's rough what the kind of situation that he left them. And then the Seahawks on the flip side, I mean, they're playing with house money. We talked about house money. They might have the number one overall pick in the draft and be a playoff team next year. Like that pick conveying to Seattle for Russell Wilson is going to be an all timer.
3: If you're Seattle, you got the number one overall pick theoretically. You take a quarterback, right? You're not riding Geno Smith into the future. This is I don't know lightning lightning in a bottle. I like Geno Smith. He is not going to do this for three. I will. I will. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. Are we sure? That is
0: that is by far one of the saddest circumstances. I like that breaks my heart because (laughs) you're right. Like if if the opportunity is there to draft one of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, they have to do it. But I don't think that it has to be the cut that you think it's immediate right I think they can do a Trey Lance situation
3: mm. oh yeah they could definitely like keep Gino around for 2023 yeah um, like hey we're gonna let Gino have one
0: more year and if he gets if it if it like listen remember they did this before with Matt Flynn if it is by some way that big of a difference and like in in preseason practice we just know if any team knows how to say sorry bucko it's the team that did it with Russell Wilson. You bring back
2: my coach knows how to do it. It's Pete Carroll right? did
0: it with Russell Wilson. So, uh, I, you know.
2: I mean, are you yeah. all convinced in these quarterbacks? Like, Bryce Young scares me with the size. I love Bryce Young in college, but there's still something that scares me there. CJ so Stroud just feels like Ohio State Mac Jones to me. I don't think there's enough to get excited about Stroud. I, I, I don't want know. want nothing
0: not... to do with Bryce Young and how small he is.
2: Like, yeah.
1: I, I, I don't know hot. how
0: you – I don't know how you can look at Baker – And Manzel and you know all of these little guys. I mean, like he doesn't have the athleticism that Kyler has,
2: no. But he's a much better passer than Kyler. Much better passer,
0: right? And you know who was a great passer, Baker. Yeah, in college.
2: I think the comparison that Bryce is mini Aaron Rodgers, I think is the most spot on where it's like, if you watch Aaron Rodgers, Cal tape and early Green Bay stuff, I mean, he is always keeping his eyes downfield when he's dancing around. He is finding little ways to get the ball where he wants it to go, where you're like, I don't understand how Bryce Young was able to avoid 19 devastating hits to find uh, just the tight end, just seep out of the behind a linebacker for an easy 15 yard game. You just have no idea how he's able to do it. We're also acting like he can't put on weight. It's not weight. It's a height. And the weight has not been there all year. Like he's what? One. What do you think? 195, I think. There's no way that man's 195. That's rounding up. uh, If they're calling him 195.
3: I I was going to say, they might have him listed
2: at that. He's listed at 194. I'm seeing that. I just. Who's 194 in the NFL right now? Which quarterback? Right. I mean. Lamar was pretty small for a time, he wasn't 194. That's
0: the the thing. 194 at 6'1 is very different than 194
2: at 5'9. Yeah. Like Mahomes came in the league, it looks like 225 pounds.
0: Like my fighting weight at 6'1, like, you know, like working out every day and lifting Mm -hmm. and eating and all the above is like 186. So to, to hear that this guy is. One ninety five at the, I don't I don't think so, man. Well, another thing with this too, you know,
3: people will point out, okay, there's never been a quarterback successful this this you know small in terms of weight. Well, remember when Kyler Murray's hand size was was the biggest thing to talk about for two months, and the fact that he's only five nine, like you know, barriers are meant to be broken. Um, and plus the quarterback position is so overly protected in today's NFL. I he
2: I think he would be okay. I just would, Jalen Carter, having watched a lot of him, and if you want to rebuild this defensive line, you want to keep building in the trenches first, and you're okay with the, keeping this rebuild going. You traded Russell Wilson for a reason. I don't think you want to skip a step and just reach on a quarterback. I would go Jalen Carter or Will Anderson if I'm the Seahawks and keep building this thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, I won't pretend to be a college football expert. I'm not. I don't start watching like college football anything until Jalen. Is this college football? Yeah. We,
2: hey, okay. PSAC champions five out of the last seven <laughs> years, Chase Thomas. Okay, um, uh, th- that was disrespectful on my end. That was not intended. Not intended. They're good. Know, final eight
3: of the Pennsylvania, or not Pennsylvania, the Division Two National Playoffs two years ago. Okay, two years ago sounds right. But what's you know, the mascot? Um, so fun story about Slippery Rock. Um, uh-huh. Our school name it's Slippery Rock. The Rock. That's that's literally our our team name. Now our mascot's a lion. But it, we're not the Slippery Rock Lions. We're Slippery. Wait, it's rock a lion, and, and you're called the
2: Rock as your mascot. Yeah, like pride, pride Rock. His, well, his, I thought uh, we were doing oh, some Sean Con his...
0: I thought we were doing Sean Connery at first.
2: No, no, no. Our <laughs> our, our, our
0: mascot's Cage. name is Rocky. Okay. And it's
2: and a lion.
3: lion. He's a lion.
0: Rocky Mountain Lions. And That's so
3: strange. Michigan shows the Slippery Rock score
2: at halftime every game, just because they like the name of our school. Huh. I thought y'all had a weird one, like a weird granite rock at some point. Used I've seen
3: to, they used to. They replaced it. it.
2: By the way, what? by
0: the yeah. way, uh, real quick, n-
2: just because I have to. You guys
0: have both seen The Rock, right? With with Nicolas Cage.
3: No, no. <laughs> I know what it is, just haven't seen it. I don't know what it is
2: either. There's Sorry, so
3: many Evan. movies I haven't seen. I'm just not I'm not a big like pop culture movies
2: guy. Evan's furious Evan's with us. Loved. Not yeah, he's he's furious. youtubecom dot slash Jason podcast to see Evan <laughs> eject from the chat. Oh, um we'll terrible. end on this, guys. Jarrett, when you look at the AFC North, the Bengals are streaking, the Ravens lose on a ballsy two point conversion try to Zay Jones, uh by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you look at the Browns getting Deshaun Watson back this week. Steelers are I think we can go ahead and cross them off. Maybe you could stick a fork in them. Who's winning the AFC North? Like, Is it the Bengals now? Are they now the favorites? I don't know what to do with the AFC North.
3: I picked the Bengals to win it in the preseason. I'm not going to change that pick now just because they seem like a more complete team than Baltimore. They're able to finish better than Baltimore. Um, When it comes to the Ravens, I love their defense, and I love the fact that they went on and got Roquan Smith. They're another one of those teams in the NFL. It's just like, okay, he can make us better. Let's go get him. Um, So I appreciate that about them. They're just, I don't know, man, like the game against Buffalo, they blew, obviously the game against Miami, and then they blow this one to Jacksonville. Like those are three fourth quarter leads that they had um, that were two possessions, I think, at one point because they're leading Jacksonville 19 to 10. Um, So multiple two possession games, multiple games that they've had two possession leads in the fourth quarter that they just blow Um, Plus, Lamar Jackson, like, he's not exactly playing well. That's another big thing for them, too. So, I don't know. They've got a lot of questions, not just about this season, but going forward. Like, okay, do we really want to pay Lamar Jackson as much money when he's inconsistent? Um, So... I think that Cincinnati right now, Joe Burrow is playing really well. They're finding different guys to make play. Like Samaj AP Ryan has four touchdowns in the last two weeks. Uh, light of the Joe Mixon concussion, um, uh, T Higgins is starting to go off. Hayden Hurst has become a really viable weapon for them. Defensively, they've been really solid. So, uh, if I had to pick right now, yeah, it would be the Browns. I, I think that it's too far gone. They're four and seven right now. That is too far back. Um, three games out. I think that since now Cincinnati does have a difficult remaining schedule. So that would be something to pay. What happens when you win the AFC. (laughs) That is, that is what happens when you win the AFC. Um, But they are also a very good team. And I think that they will be good enough uh, to, to get to at least 10. I think 10 wins is what they'll get to. If they want 10 and seven, I think that that'll be enough to win the division.
2: Do you share that sentiment, Evan?
0: I just, it's going to be really close with the Ravens and Bengals. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with either or, but mm. uh, but the Bengals having just gone to a Super Bowl last year, you know, I mean, I will say if if, if they get hot, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they were they were there last year. But I mean, they are not playing as well as I expected.
2: So I think it's still the Ravens. I think they still figure it out. Um, Baltimore still has the benefit of playing Pittsburgh twice, so that that is a nice benefit. Yes. Uh, um, that's so weird to say now, and that's that rivalry. She's not gonna hit the same. Would not have
0: been weird yeah. if you would have listened to me for the last three years. Not <laughs> that I have a personal opinion
2: on the matter or anything. Uh, Ed Swords, what can the good folks check out from you for an air sub? Twitter, um, two minute hot take. If you have that for us, what are, uh, what are, you, what are you for us the
0: the Chase Thomas podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, every <laughs> single form and function of medium that jared bailey seems to be on which i think is probably like let's just usa today the athletic probably joined recently uh i wish i wish maybe maybe espn deportes (laughs)
2: uh what
0: else espn the (laughs) ocho yeah right nah man i mean nah man i wouldn't follow me so i'm not going to tell you to do that
2: uh go niners there you go. Jarrett, what can the good folks check out from you across uh, all your different outlets this week as well? Um, what
3: can they check out? Oh, well, listen to the pump fake two episodes per week, uh, Tuesday and Fridays. Uh, so do that. Um, subscribe to the pump fake newsletter that comes out every usually Wednesday, sometimes Thursday. depends on when I have the time to finish it. Um, so subscribe to that. I'm going to put that actually back in my bio on Twitter and probably take the podcast link out. I was just testing the waters on that to see what happened. I'll probably put the the link to subscribe to the newsletter back in my bio. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, bear stuff for USA Today. Uh, some 49ers stuff for Sports Illustrated. Uh, some Steelers stuff for Fansider and Sports Illustrated. The occasional Panthers article. So yeah, all over the place. Uh, what else am I doing? Yeah, I think
2: that's it. I like it. I like it. Well, thank you as always for making the time, Jarrett. We greatly appreciate it. Evan, thank you as well, my dear friend. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Jarrett, we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. all right we're back here on the chase with podcast joined now by old friend grayson weir grayson good afternoon sir uh college football in the sec is on fire uh per usual and it's nice uh for tennessee not to be the least bit involved in uh just a coaching search gone awry
1: how are you doing sir i'm doing well you're you're right it's the craziest time of year in football we got all kinds of chaos going on down on the plains but uh yeah, pretty quiet in Knoxville and, and after a chaotic couple of weeks, pretty quiet in uh, Oxford as well. So I can't complain over here.
2: No, and we'll get into uh, why it's not all that crazy right now in Oxford momentarily. I mean, you it, there's a lot of crossover now between Auburn and Ole Miss fans, and there always really was. I mean, the, you go back to the Tupperville stuff. Uh, years and years ago and just like oh what what is the ceiling and there's been a lot of debate of like which is the better job at this point Old Miss and Auburn and then obviously Hugh Freeze having a lot of recruiting success beating Saban a couple times at Old Miss he's um, going back home to, Mrs., uh, to uh, Auburn and getting back to the SEC but he's a local uh, Mississippi guy um, for the Auburn fans who are tuning in today Grayson. What can you fill them in on during the experience, like the experience you had as an old Miss guy during the, the the Hugh Freeze era? What can you tell them? Shed some light on.
1: I'm gonna go two ways with here. I'm gonna start as a coach. Mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze is a very good ball coach. He wins football games. Um, he knows how to take. Ne- not necessarily upper tier talent but you know that kind of middle level guys who are really just absolute dogs and want to go out there and you know toppled Sabin in alabama and back-to-back year. so he wins ball games um and he he is a certified winner he knows how to recruit and now in the nil area you can actually pay players legally so that's i mean we know he's really good at paying players so that's certainly something to hang your hat on I question how different, you know, if, if Auburn fired Gus Malzahn whatever that was three, five years ago, um, two, three years ago, I guess now, um, Mm. how different is Hugh Freeze's offense from Gus Malzahn's? I don't think they're all too dissimilar. So if it didn't work, then why does it work now? Um, I think the difference is that Hugh Freeze is a better coach. I think Hugh Freeze has proved he can win everywhere he goes. Um, but with that being said, he's, he's creep. He's a, he's just a creep. You know, he's a weird guy. He always has been the man loves to search his name on Twitter. If you haven't seen it yet, God forbid on Hulu is a documentary about Liberty university and Jerry Falwell and the pool boy and all that stuff. It makes a lot of sense that he was there because he's just like the rest of them. You know, he's kind of someone who likes to hear his name in the media. He likes to hear, you know, people talking about him. He likes when he has this not scandal well not anymore but when he did at Ole Miss he had this scandalous personal life and kept it to himself and was you know this holy preacher man in the media and then he was turned around being a weird guy on the outside of things so my question is how long he can last at Auburn before things you know maybe rubs people the wrong way but everybody deserves a second chance in life for the most part, uh, there's obviously some caveats to that, but for the most part, everybody deserves a second chance in life, and he has had that second chance. Now that has he really changed? We'll find out. Um, but it's a good hire for Auburn. I, I don't think it's a a bad decision. I just don't necessarily think it was a good one from a from a personal life standpoint.
2: It's never great when you have pushback um, from a lot of folks in the building. And I think there's going to be continued pushback uh, based on the early returns here. And um, rightfully so. And I we will see if winning cures all. I, I don't know. I, I have no, I think anyone who has a good read on how this is going to go with freeze at Auburn uh, is a liar like that. We have no idea which way yeah. this is going to go. And
1: it could prove very successful,
2: right? but it can also be very successful for like two years, right? Like we saw with that order on, you can win a title and then be gone uh, very, very quickly. Like he could win big on the planes and then people go really tired of his shtick and everything else. And he still hasn't uh, evolved. He's still name searching. It's like, you just won the national title in 2025. And it's like, what are we doing? Um, But that's a possibility. Like we can see like teams will move on and universities uh, have more money than ever to move on. And, then we'll get the the next out-of-the-box hire at Auburn because it just seems like the pendulum either goes, all right, we got to get our SEC guy. We tried going outside the box uh, with the Brian Harsons of the world. We're going back into the SEC family. And then it's like, if this doesn't work out, it's like, all right, we got to get someone who's not in the Auburn family who can get us back on track, who <sighs> will make this a respectable organization. To get. Like It's just, I don't know. I, I think Auburn is a weird job. I think it's still a very weird situation. I thought it was going to get way weirder than this, um, where if this did not go this way for Auburn and Hugh Freeze did not end up taking the job or they did not uh, find a way to make it all work. I think it could have gotten very bleak on the timeline very quickly because I saw names like James Franklin. It's like, God, James Franklin's not leaving Penn State for that job. And we just saw, like, there's a reason it was Harson last time. There's some weird stuff going on with the Auburn job, and I wonder if a lot of folks, like your guy Kiffin, are like... Mm-hmm. am am i sure i really really want to get into that it takes a special special kind of coach to be able to deal with the the complexity of the auburn job on and off the field and
1: complexity is a good word
2: yeah and it's just i i I don't know i think this could have gotten really weird really quickly and um they it will just tbd on the Hugh free stuff anyone who's writing great hire or anyone's writing terrible hire I mean, this is going to be a mercurial who knows, like you could tell me anything with this hire and I would believe you at at this point.
1: Absolutely. I just think the funniest part to me is, you know, they tried Auburn fans and boosters and everybody at Auburn behind the scenes tried to oust Brian Harson with a false story about. You know him with his staffer, which was not true, but was not proven. Right? We know all that to be. And then now you're hiring the guy who was using the university issued cell phone to call an escort number in Tampa Bay. It's like, well, wait a minute, isn't this kind of uh, exactly what you tried to fire the last guy for? So I don't know. But like you said, I mean, jury's completely out here. It could be the best hire Auburn has ever made because the man wins football games. It could be the worst hire Auburn has ever made because he's Hugh Freeze. We don't know.
2: We'll see. Um, uh, but we do know that Lane Kiffin is staying at Old Miss Grayson. Are you surprised that Lane Kiffin is locked in long term now?
1: No, I was okay. not like even the slightest bit surprised by him staying in Oxford. I since the get-go had no reason to believe that he would leave. I know he was considering it, right? Mm. But that would be silly not to. If I had a school or a, not a school, if I had a job that was offering me potentially four million dollars more a year than what i was making right now of course i'm going to consider it like of, of course i'm going to think how would my life be if i took this you know 4 million dollar pay bump to go to a new job of course i'm going to consider it you know we don't know 100% whether lane interviewed for the job or not it's my understanding that he likely interviewed once if not twice for the job so there was consideration there but at the end of the day, when you look at everything he's built in Oxford, on top of like the family and the, you know, his his daughter's a senior at Oxford High School right now. She mm. just moved from LA to Oxford, Mississippi to go to her senior year of high school at a new school. From what I understand, she's like planning to, if not already, enrolled at Ole Miss, has the mm. dorm room picked out. Like, why would he then uproot all of that to then go to Auburn, where, like you said, there is a lot of complexity with that job and at Ole Miss there is a lot of flexibility with the job you know whereas Auburn you got to play in Bo Jackson's golf tournament every March in Oxford at Ole Miss he's in Boca Raton marlin fishing you know Auburn wouldn't give him that same leash they wouldn't give him that same I mean I don't know that to be true but we do kind of know that to be true uh they wouldn't give him that same leash he wouldn't have that same leash he wouldn't have that same flexibility so it never made sense to me from the beginning other than one a negotiating standpoint jimmy sexton is the best in the business that dude is so good at his job i mean he the amount of people he gets paid is unbelievable lane being the most recent and two money i mean it came down to money in the end and ole miss In Mississippi you're not able to offer state employees public employees a contract that's longer than four years Mm -hmm. so at Auburn you can get you know 10 years 9 million a year at Ole Miss you can get 9 million a year four years but Ole Miss found a way and I, I don't know how this loophole hasn't been discovered before I, you know, I feel like somebody should... I was going
2: to ask you about this. I don't understand the old Miss Foundation aspect of this, the private foundation. I don't
1: thing. really understand it either. And I've looked mm-hmm. into it. I've been talking to people. I've been trying to kind of get how this worked, but credit to Keith Carter and Jim mm-hmm. Sexton, it's all under wraps. So all the finances and where it's coming from doesn't really add up, but <laughs> we do know they found this loophole that it seems to me it should have been found years ago, where they're paying the public employee through a private foundation, so mm. they can offer him the lengthier contract, which they did. It's ex- uh, six years, up to eight years, with rollovers and things of that nature. Why it's like his you... own
2: nil deal to stay at Ole
1: Miss? Right. Yeah. And then why would you? Yeah. Exactly. Why would you? Why would you then take you know equivalent or you know, in the general ballpark for the same number to then move jobs. It never made any sense from the beginning. I stood by it from the beginning and and I you know was really frustrated with a lot of the reports and I know Lane was too. I think this last week where we saw the hecticness with, oh my God, it's done, Lane's leaving. I don't think any of that was ever true. Mm. But there was a certain reporter, and I'm not gonna name the name, but everybody knows which reporter it was who said it was a done deal. That was never true. That was never close to being true and all of the smoke and mirrors behind it all stemmed from that and lane would not have handled it the way that he did if it weren't for that report he told his team internally i'm not planning on leaving he told his team i'm focused on thursday beating mississippi state i'll sign the contract friday i've signed three extensions already what does a fourth do like what difference does it make what difference is it if i sign it tuesday and friday now i understand it would have given some closure to the situation if he had just signed it on Tuesday, but that's not how this works. It's not how it has ever worked. It's not how it will work next year when, you know, Lane is leaving for the Montana state job. You know, it's not gonna, it's just going to be continued to cycle. And so all of this goes to say that Lane was frustrated with how it was handled. I know Lane's people being Jimmy Sexton and his camp were frustrated with how it was handled. And in turn, so were Ole Miss fans, but Ole Miss fans now have no reason to be frustrated anymore.
2: What happened down the stretch for Ole Miss? Do you think what was going on behind the scenes played into just their final two-week struggle? I mean, we saw that at Liberty uh, with the way they ended their season two um, and planning for the Heavries exit. I wonder, like, did you see a change? Like, What happened? Because part of it, I wonder... It's easy to just be like, oh, Kiffin, and you heard that falling out of the egg bowl. It's like, oh, Kiffin had a lot of a lot of other stuff on his plate and his mind was elsewhere, this, that, and the other. But it's like if you look at the Old Miss schedule, it was very strange the way it was put together because it was just uh, a lot of appetizers for several, several weeks outside of the Kentucky home game that like we're not gonna see them really get tested until I mean, late October, and you saw the way they play there, just a, uh, a throwaway from uh, beating Alabama, potentially Jackson Dart, um, had the ball in his hands, uh, your guy Jackson, who we'll talk about in a second. But, I mean, I just, I look at the schedule and I'm like, I just, I don't know, I mean, they probably should have beaten Mississippi State, but like finished around 9-3, 10-2, but their schedule is just so backloaded with SEC West team after SEC West team that like, I don't care what kind of team you are. That's just a brutal way to finish your season when you're the least healthy. Like you're banged up at that point. And I don't know. I don't know what to make of this skid for uh, the Rebels. Did you see that coming when you saw the schedule? How much did that play in it? And uh, were you surprised by how it finished for for this group?
1: I wasn't surprised. Um, I was disappointed because Mm -hmm. I, I do think that the lane to auburn smoke you know the locker room was had they looked against arkansas in particular they mm-hmm. looked like a team where a bunch of 18 to 21 year old kids had been reading on twitter all week that their coach was leaving mm-hmm. you know, so i think that definitely played a role in it but to your point no like i wasn't surprised by it because it was Ole miss should have started the season six and out period the end seven mm-hmm. made a lot of sense you know that's exactly what happened and then you run into Alabama. Arkansas is a very good team. We know, KJ Jefferson's a good quarterback. He just you know, bruised his way through that game and credit to Arkansas where credit is due. They played a heck of a game, but when you look at that box score, almost turned the ball over three times. They had 10 penalties for 108 yards or something like that. And they outgained Arkansas in yardage, in first downs, in basically all of the offensive categories where you want to beat your opponent
3: Mm. did,
1: but then there were a couple calls you know i won't get into the officiating because officiating always has something to do with every single game so there's no excuses to be made you know oh this call goes the other way you could say that about every game
2: just don't put yourself in a position to have a a officiating call be what decides whether or not the that your team wins or not
1: exactly and there were some bad calls that could have mm. gone the other way that changed the game. Same with the Alabama game. I think there's a couple calls it goes the other way. Ole Miss has a really op- good opportunity, even better opportunity to win than it did. Um, so th- no, it didn't surprise me. I-, I said before the season eight and three made a lot of sense. Um, you know, somewhere in there, mm. um, or eight and four rather s- nine and three uh somewhere in there made a lot of sense and that's exactly what happened. Arkansas is a great team. Mississippi State should have won that game. You know, you absolutely have every opportunity to do so. Credit to I can't think of his name right now, but number 5 on Mississippi State made that great play on the two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. They were ready for it. You know, my issue there was I didn't have a problem with the play call. I thought it was a good play call. I thought it made sense. It had worked a couple times throughout the season. It had worked in other teams, but the chiefs have been running that play for three, four years now. It's Mm. not heard anymore. Players are ready for that. They know to look for these things. They know these little gadget plays here and there are coming and they just made a great play when it was right. Um, So no, I wasn't surprised by it. Uh, This was always supposed to be, I I use the term rebuilding year loosely. Mm. Um, This was a different team than it was last year. Matt Corral has gone. You know, you're losing basically your entire backfield, the entire your star wide receivers off to the nfl it was a completely different offense and the defense you know for the most part was the secondary was the same but there was a lot of turnover on defense too this year was supposed to be the year okay they're good not great next year jackson darts you know a year and a half he entering the year he had played six games at usc
2: Mm -hmm. everyone was like oh he's this
1: amazing talent he is he's young you know, there's a lot of, this was never supposed to be the year, but there was a chance for it to be the year anyway. And it should have been if a couple things go differently here and there, if that makes sense.
2: No, it does. And it's really, really hard to win 10 games back-to-back seasons. Like, this is something next year for Tennessee fans. You have to uh, wait for it. Hidden Hooker's gone. Uh, Cedric Tillman will be gone. A lot of leaders um, will be off this team next year. We'll see what happens with Joe Milton and company. But it's just... <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to win 10 games in the SEC in back-to-back seasons. Only a couple of teams can do it and expect it year-over-year. Year. But 8-4, and 9-3, and three, that's still a good, uh, good year to follow up what you lost. And I just... I don't know it's just hard to get a read on where the sec west is going because i mean auburn will see but still uh i mean because there's another part of this where the portal and lane kevin being the the portal king and what he's gonna do in the coming days and we saw that's major reason why these jobs are all filling up very quickly it's like these these universities don't have a choice like you have to hire someone by december 5th and really days before so you can get your transfer staff in order and really get people in place to watch a bunch of tape and figure out who you need to target in the portal and who you can get and who you can't and that sort of thing um it's just a lot happens very very quickly uh, in recruiting in Auburn. yeah and it's been two hours exactly like it's yeah. just you you have to do it and you know those conversations were probably happening beforehand Of like all right i need you to start i, I think this is going to happen but i need you to jump on it uh, i don't know what your monday is but clear your schedule um I don't know. I am very curious to see what the ceiling is because I think that's the biggest talking point with regards to what Lane Kiffin's going to do at Ole Miss, right? Is what can they be? And it's something that I do push back against South Carolina fans, um, over the last few weeks, because look, they kicked the crap out of Tennessee, uh, two weeks ago, but it's like a program changing win, uh, over Clemson and being Clemson and Tennessee back, back weeks, like two top 10 wins. Really good. Now, if, uh, South Carolina and Shane Beamer, like if he only entered the chat in November every single year and you had someone else coach the team before that, then yeah, maybe there's some real opportunity. But you won the SEC East once since you joined the SEC. You've never won the SEC. Like, let just win 10 games once. Let's just see that. Uh the, the full season counts. And in this sport, we all have amnesia over the course of the full year. It's like wait when you beat Alabama. Let's 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 just wait on that one. Or even our competitive against Georgia. Um, all that to say. I am very curious with Jackson Dart uh, going into year two in this system um, with what they're able to do in the run game this year. um, I I just, I wonder what their ceiling is because Alabama, they lose Bryce Young next year. Um, Jameer Gibbs probably gone as well. They're going to be in turnover. We don't know what their coordinator situation is going to be. Bill O'Brien might get another job. We'll see what that group looks like. But I mean bama looked beatable uh this was a more susceptible bama team lsu we'll see i, I don't know if Jaden daniels will be the quarterback again but i think the west is more mercurial than it has ever been where you can make the case for a lot of different teams so when folks are like oh can you really win a title or win the sec at all miss i think this is the most open it's ever been and i think lane Kiplin's looking around he's like I just won 10 games here last year. I can get the quarterbacks I want. I can get a five-star kid, um, which is a big part of this. I can do it. I can, my offense works here. I'm recruiting. I can do well in the portal. I know There's a path for this old Miss thing to be sustainable. And I think he's taking it. Is that, a, is that a fair assessment?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's a path this year to the playoff. You, mm-hmm. That Alabama game goes differently. You're right. riding that high. You know, hopefully Arkansas goes differently. You're looking at a one, maybe two loss Ole Miss team. And mm-hmm. that, Playoff isn't that far out of reach. The SEC West, I mean, you beat LSU. Credit to LSU. They won that game handily. I mean, mm. that was the best game Brian Kelly has coached in his 12 games at LSU. Mm. Um, the, there was a, there was a path to the playoff this year. There was a path mm. to the SEC West this year. There was a path to the SEC Championship. They squandered it, and that's okay because it doesn't need to be. You know, Ole Miss fans, there's a lot of Ole Miss fans out there. that are, oh, we didn't win 10 games. That's okay. Mm. Well, why is that a big, like, oh, we're not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. That's okay. It's not going to happen. I mean, remember where we were two years ago, three years ago with, I say we because I'm an alumni, but mm. um, like, remember where Ole Miss was four years ago before Lane Kevin when Matt Luke was there? It's like, if Ole Miss fans were just happy to make a bowl game. Mm. And then now it's, the expectation is that we need to be in the playoff every year. We need to be this. We need to be that. Ole Miss needs to be this. We are this amazing fan base full of amazing boosts. Not really, you know, almost is a good fan base. You know, we work hard, we support our team, but it's no different than a Texas A&M. It's no, di- you know, Texas A&M's Kyle Field. They've got a hundred and whatever it is, thousand people there every game. almost doesn't. It's just mm-hmm. not the same playing field. And that's okay because you have a guy in Lane Kiffin who can level that playing field. He is the difference to where Matt Luke can't, there's no title. There's no uh, path to a SEC West title with Matt Luke. Mm. Even with Hugh Freeze, there wasn't ever really a path there because mm-hmm. go through Alabama. And even though he went through Alabama, there were a couple of di- uh, chances where they would turn around and squander that with a loss to Memphis or you know Arkansas on fourth and twenty-five, stupid things like that. The SEC West parody We talk a lot about parody in college football of all of the years. For the sec west there is this level of parity you know texas a m was supposed to be this top six team in the country they were awful yep so you know now next year
2: but they, yet they it, still beat lsu by multiple touchdowns like the sec west yeah. just had those results week after week we are like i'm not sure who's the best team in the sec west and i still have you could sell me on a lot of different teams on any given saturday that they were actually the best team all season long in the SEC West.
1: 100%. You could sell me on Mississippi State. That game right. on Thursday, they played a heck of a game. They mm-hmm. really did. In a cold, rainy, wet environment on the road, Mike Leach went in there and, you know, did what he had to do. Credit to him. So I think Lane looked around and saw that. Of Now is now or never. You know, right. Why would you go start over at Auburn when you have something, you have momentum, you're rolling, you're rocking, you're winning – 10, eight games a year. You can and, make the
2: playoff at Ole Miss.
1: Yeah, you can. I mean, you it, it's crazy to think because Ole Miss shouldn't be able to make the playoff. Right. You know, when you look at how they fit into the sec and where they have been in the past, they shouldn't have a chance at the playoff. Lane Kiffin is the difference maker and he knows that he doesn't care what people are doing. He doesn't, You know, it pisses him off that there's idiots fans out there driving to his house and putting up a for sale sign. It's like, what are you doing? Is that happening? There was one who did that, and I know exactly who he is, and I won't name his name. Was that this season? Three, four days ago.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: drove to his house and put a for sale sign in his front yard. Why? What are you doing? You know, everyone on Twitter, oh, fine, good. Lane's gone anyway. He coached a terrible game on Thursday. What? What are you doing? (laughs) Like, what? Why are you unable to see that at Ole Miss we are He's not the best
2: coach you've had in our lifetime
1: ever? Yeah. yeah. Ever. When you look at the, like, I, I, you, maybe I'm sure you can make the case for Billy Brewer, but can you, you know, Johnny Vaught, Sure. Fine. Whatever. Can you, they didn't really do anything. You know, Ole Miss hasn't won a national championship since before national championships were really counted. So <laughs> people need to level their expectations and lane kiffin is the guy who can make that path walkable
2: yeah um but hey baseball school too i mean you just won the title in baseball so things are pretty good uh i know the state of mississippi they 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 are adamant about their baseball and luck i mean the tennessee train coming down the pike and uh they had fun in oxford this past spring so we'll see what ultimately happens uh in baseball season but basketball it's probably the rough one where maybe that's where the the angst is coming from for all Miss fans where they're like, oh my God, it's time to turn our attention to the worst basketball program in the SEC this year. What are we doing? Where are we going? Uh, we got to change gears a little bit. Uh, where is Andy Kennedy?
1: Is Andy Kennedy, yeah, can we it get it back? Kidding, yeah. Yeah. Kermit's not the guy. He is no. not. He is not him. No. Good team, good recruiter, good players. It's going to be the same thing in Oxford. It's been the last five or six years. They'll be right on the bubble. They'll either get in. They'll lose the first round game. They won't get into the March Madness. They'll be a number one seed in the a team.
2: Bubble team? I don't think they sniff the bubble.
1: Uh, I, it's the same thing every year. They'll they'll beat they'll beat Auburn on the road. Mm-hmm. Then they'll turn around and lose to Moorhead State at home. You know it'll mm-hmm.
2: this, this constant- Marshall Henderson's not walking through that door. No. Um. What's real and what's not real when it comes to jackson dart as someone who watched every snap from jackson dart this fall what That's did you awesome. see what did you hear nationally we were like okay they clearly have not watched a lot of jackson dart like what was real and what wasn't because for me all year i didn't trust him where it was like so much of Quinshon jenkins and the success they've had in the run game was partly because you're like he did some stuff but it never felt like Jackson dart was ready. It was still a growing pains. Like we're not taking the training wheels type of year for him. That, that is what I got the sense of watching him week in week out. But what did you see and what did people miss nationally uh, when they did not watch Jackson dart throughout the course of the full season?
1: I think what you just said is spot on. I mean, it was a growing pain year and we always knew it was going to be a growing pain. Mm. Jackson dart came to Ole miss, uh, February or March or whatever it was, January. Um, He had not played more than six games at USC. Mm -hmm. He came in, he was not this sophomore. He wasn't a redshirt freshman coming in with experience under his belt. He was a fresh out of high school, had got thrown into a bad USC team in a bad situation without a head coach in a conference that's very different from the SEC. So Jackson has always been raw. He's a raw quarterback, a raw talent, and he's young. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. only... I think he just turned nineteen recently. This—it's not like he's this twenty-one-year-old kid, Dylan Gabriel, you know, transferring from UCF to Oklahoma, where it's okay—you're this plug-and-play guy right away. You are now the future. Let's do this thing. You—you're you're back with your old offensive coordinator, Darts coming in, learning a new system. The quarterback battle lasted all the way, you know, until the first week of the year, when there probably was a reason for that. Jackson wasn't entirely ready. And that's okay. And that's like you said, they gave the ball to Judkins a lot, perhaps even too much in some instances. His legs down the stretch against Alabama were not there because Ole Miss gave him the ball too much in that game. That was always going to be the case. It wasn't supposed to be Judkins. It was supposed to be Zach Evans. But what happened happened. Judkins is him. Um, so, So the biggest thing that national people who didn't watch Jackson Dart and now I've been watching Jackson dart. So my, both my parents went to USC. So I mm. I'm USC and Ole miss guy. Mm. Uh, I grew up, you know, the 2005, 2004, Ole miss USC team was what got me into sports and what got me into college football. So I knew about Jackson since his senior year of high school at corner Canyon out there in Utah. And he just slings the ball. Mm. But He wasn't playing against great competition. He didn't really have much of a pass rush and he just would sling it around. Some of the mm. throws were very ill-advised that was the case again this year. And that's all right. Lane knows what to do with quarterbacks. He Matt Corral had a couple years under him. So it was a quicker learning process. This year was the learning year for Jackson's Dart. So the fact that Ole Miss was able to do what it did with a quarterback who wasn't quite there yet mm-hmm. speaks wonders to what they could be next year. And that was always going to be the case. Jackson was never going to be this you know, turn around and become this Matt Corral hero where you're carrying him out on the shoulders and build the statue and all that stuff in year one. He could be next year. He could be two years from now. But it was never supposed to be the case this year. It was always going to be run heavy. It was always going to be relying on your playmakers to go make plays around a young kid who, who is raw and still learning. And, and that's exactly what we saw. Because there were a lot of throws that Jackson shouldn't have made. But then at the same time, he was making some of these throws. It's like, whoa. That one right there, you know, that's why you bring him in from USC. That's why you get on a flight to Los Angeles and you know throw on your Dior Jordan Dunks and get out there and talk to him and his family in Los Angeles. That's why mm. you do that. But then there are also moments of oh, this is still only you know week 13 for him, week four mm. for him. So he's young, he's learning, and now he'll have an entire off-season to get in the weight room, to get with Kiffin and just do the you know, quarterback whisperer thing. And, and I think he'll be a lot more uh, decisive and technical next season. Whereas this year he was really loose and, um, I don't know the antonym for technical.
2: (laughs) I I don't know either. Um, what is, uh, do you expect any staff changes? Old Miss had some coaching staff changes after last year. Um his brother almost came in as co D C. He obviously does not. So I don't really know what happened there as to why he didn't I don't know if you know what Yeah, old he league. just
1: he just didn't want to do recruit. So he just said oh. I'll stay at the NFL and yeah deal with adults.
2: There you go. Uh and I understand it. Um do you do you see, do you forecast any any changes below Lane Kiffin?
1: I think there'll be some. Yeah. Um, I don't really know who, what, or where. Um, mm. and I don't think anyone really does at this point. There isn't really any, you know, whether smoke, there's fire. There's not any smoke yet. Um, but there will need to be some sort of changes. At the very least, I think you look at the defensive coordinators, and if you want to keep those guys, you should, because Chris Partridge is a great recruiter, and Maurice Crum has proved that he can call a defense. Mm. Why wasn't Maurice Crum calling the defense then? So this mm. year, maybe you flip – the play sheet over to the guy that you brought in and you said, okay, Hey, Chris, I gave you a chance. You know, you didn't quite get the job done. This three man rush thing might not be the best idea in the sec West. Why don't we try something a little different? You continue to be the guy that gets these players ready to go on Saturdays. You continue to be a great defensive mind, go recruit, but we're going to give Crum full control of the defense instead of Mm. now it's maybe 51 49 partridge um maybe you flip that and you say hey crumb you've got this is yours um and then there'll be some shakeover with various position coaches and stuff
2: but for the most part, it's very weird that we it feels like there are way more co-dc's and co-oc's than ever before
1: right that's gotta be a
2: weird dynamic
1: i think so too and especially when you're not making a definitive decision as to like one guy being the guy
2: Right. If you're a player, you're like, who do I need to lean more on getting their approval for? Like, who do I really need to make sure I'm in good graces with between the two? Like who has more sway with lane? Like that kind of thing. I don't know. That's gotta be weird.
1: It's gotta be. And it's gotta be, you know, it's just gotta be a situation where who do I listen to? You know, who has final say who Hmm. has, you know, if, if there's a situation where we need to do X, Y, and Z defensively, you know, who is the one, Putting in that phoning in that call. Who is the one? So I don't know. I think the most of the staff should stay more or less the same. Um, obviously, I don't think anyone's going to come poach Charlie Weiss Jr. or mm-hmm. Chris Partridge or uh, Maurice Crum. So that you're not worried about them leaving. You're worried about does Lane want to try something different? And I don't know if he does. I think he's just there's going to be a overhaul in terms of scheme and power, but maybe not in terms of the staff itself.
2: I always think it's interesting when teams get nervous about that or fan bases of teams where it's like, oh, I hope they don't poach so-and-so. It's like, if you're worried about assistants getting poached, then that means you don't have faith in the head coach. Like that is what that stems from, where you're like uh, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, doesn't really matter. They're not really nervous about that sort of thing. Obviously, does it, does it matter if you can have that su- sustainability in the, the coordinator front? Like Clemson, obviously... Um, with Scott Elliott and uh, Venables for so many years. Yeah, that was great. And you see what it looks like this year when you have to break in new coordinators and how rocky that can be. But I mean, Golish, he probably will win uh, best assistant this year. I'm going to guess he wins um, that award. I forgot what it's actually called, but letter. yeah, I think, I think you should. And you're and I part of me, part of me is like, oh no, uh, the play caller. like, uh, what does that look like next year? It's like, well, you have the number one scoring offense in college ball this year. You were top 10 last year. I think Josh Heupel will figure it out. I think Joey Halsey getting promoted or we have a bunch of offensive analysts. Like, I'm not really worried. I'm not really worried about the offense or people getting poached. I'm not worried about Tim Banks getting poached. My main one is like Rodney Gardner. Like, that's the only one. It's like, whatever we got to do to keep Rodney Gardner in Tennessee, just uh, Devin Hobbs coming in the building and just what the defensive line looks like. Uh, in this class, and where it should go, like that's one I want to keep winning because that's the that's the final barrier between Tennessee really com- uh, competing with Georgia year and year out is the trenches. Like that's that's ultimately sure. where it's it's got to finish here. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, we'll end on this. The biggest offseason question you have for Ole Miss football is what?
1: Oh God, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are need to be replaced on the defense. Um, hmm. the question now is. There are some freshmen coming in that you should be excited about, but Lane is the transfer portal King, right? Mm. Self-proclaimed. He ended up giving the title to Lincoln Riley when Lincoln got, uh, Caleb. Um, did he give him the title? He he gave it to him. It was a, it was a passing of the crown, um, more as a joke than anything. But
2: can we also say real quick, and I've been saying this and I, I don't understand why it's just gone under the radar, but USC should be the biggest villain in college football. Like, what happened here, the way they got Jordan Addison, like, just taking and screwing over Oklahoma in the way that they did, I mean, Lincoln admitting that it did not go great on his exit, and it was not uh, probably the way it should have been handled, and they're just going to make the playoff, maybe, and they are going to have the Heisman quarterback, and, like, you don't want this to be a successful event where it's just, like, you can just mortgage uh, half your roster and then go and win a potential title, and really have no culture whatsoever and it just not really matter because of the amount of talent and uh, everything else it's like I have nothing it's linked it personally I just I think they should be a much bigger villain than they are it's kind of odd to me
1: no oh, well, 100% and you're exactly right
2: I mean he didn't do Kevin does it out of necessity like he's like I if you want to win the SEC West at Ole Miss I have to dominate the portal like that is just the it's hard to get kids to oxford like it's just hard there's not as much talent in the state of mississippi as there is in the state of georgia florida texas wherever like it's just harder yep. um yeah i don't know it's very different than usc
1: it is and usc should be a bigger villain than it is mm. they're gonna have they're gonna get stomped by whoever they meet in the playoff if they Mm -hmm. get that far if they meet georgia it probably gets for my
2: sanity i hope usc and tcu went out because that means tennessee even with a victory over south carolina they wouldn't have gotten in either way so we're very close to that being the the ending here and that's what i need for my own sanity
1: and it's fun and different you know Mm -hmm. tcu usc even michigan like yeah I don't like Michigan. I don't like Harbaugh, but I like them being in the playoff because it's fun and different. It's nice right. to see new names in there. It's nice to see new faces. Tennessee was up there for a minute. That was, mm. you know, as as much as everyone in Oxford likes to play into the Lane-Kiffin-Tennessee-Ole Miss rivalry, it was nice to see a fresh face. It was mm. nice to see, okay, it's not just, you know, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, one, two, three, Like, it has been for the last, you know, eight years or whatever. Right. So we'll see. But my biggest question with Ole Miss is how do you replace the defense? And what does it look what does the defense look like next year? Are you gonna continue to rush three or are you gonna maybe put another guy up there and say, Okay, we're gonna get down, get down in the trenches, like you said. It's a difference between beating a a team like Alabama and a team even like Arkansas this year, Mm. the trenches is where you win ball games and rushing three guys (laughs) not great.
2: Yeah. Uh, but Hey, when you have a bad defense or a subpar defense and you have to replace a bunch, it's like, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, it's never, it's not like you're having to replace a bunch of offensive production. I, I think Tennessee and Ole Miss are in the same boat here where there's going to be so much, uh, turnover in the secondary, uh, for Tennessee. I am Byron Young will be gone on the defensive line. Uh, We'll see if Amari Thomas, but yeah, a lot of turnover on defense, but I'm like, "Eh, that's not, that doesn't really scare me. It really doesn't scare me whatsoever.
1: Yeah. And especially in the portal era. Yeah. Heiple and Kiffin are going to go. Hey, we need a linebacker. Okay. Mm. Hey, we're Tennessee. Hey, we're Ole Miss. I'm Lane Kiffin. You know why? Why are you staying at? We got Ole Miss got a guy from Central Michigan last year. Like, mm. why? Why are you staying there when you can come play in the SEC? It's an easy sell. Defense is easier to replace than offensive production. And Yeah. So,
2: I mean, I think Kiffin and Heiple have it figured out. Where like, I I worry about a lot of programs where it's like, if you're a defensive identity first team, I just tackling's worse if you look at the NFL numbers tackling is just getting significantly worse year over year and with space and just the amount of practice time and the amount of turnover I think it's just so much more sustainable to have a top 10 offense than it is to have a top 10 defense and if you're like the Pats Fitzgerald's of the world and just the Iowa's of the world I just think it's going to be a really rough next couple of years for your program because I just I think you should start with the offense like if you do not have the right offensive um, playmakers the right offensive scheme then you're already behind the eight ball and I just think that's a backwards way of doing it um, that's why I'm pretty optimistic about both Tennessee and Ole Miss I think they're gonna be fun and I wish they played more often because like obviously it's, the mustard yeah. bottles and everything else was funny but like I think there's no animosity I think there might be a national misconception about how Tennessee fans feel about Lane I think most like Lane and if Lane ever came back, I think they would welcome him with open arms because I think Lane's had fun with it. Obviously, he has a kid named Knox. Obviously, he and he understands how crazy and big the fan base is. I, I don't think he there's any real ill will uh, towards most Tennessee fans and link given. I feel like there's it's playful now. I think both are both are cool with each other.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's hmm. it's fun to play these things up and right. make it, oh, you know, the golf ball and the Morgan. Just ball don't play and it and the, at seven p.m. We can't
2: do it at seven p.m. You can't give college students twelve hours to drink and get ready for Lane Kiffin's to return to Yale. <laughs> and you cannot do that. That was always going to be a disaster. Um, when you when you give them that much yeah, opportunity so- to pregame and get ready, and most people are double fisting at Tennessee games because the lines are so long for beer and alcohol that you're like, all right, I might as well just buy two for uh for uh, the rest of the game because i'm not going and dealing with this line uh, right away so it's just it can get rowdy in a hurry uh yeah. inside Neon stadium grayson this has been great i greatly appreciate you making the time uh this evening and oh, uh right. yeah well we'll have to do it again soon and uh you have yourself a great rest of your it's not really holiday week but uh get start holiday to the season. holiday season christmas season right absolutely there you go thanks grayson this has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves!
0: Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast, hell yeah.